No, today, our, uh, as Scott mentioned, our elders are, uh, some of them are in Israel. They are. I got visual confirmation earlier. They video, they, uh, they video chatted me this morning. I forgot to tell you. Well, today, we're going to be uh, continuing in our series on Genesis, uh, the beginning of everything. This is part two. And so, uh, what I, I introduced a little bit about myself. I didn't actually do that before. Uh, again, my name is Jay Ross. Uh, my wife, I was going to mention you, my wife, Christine Ross. Uh, yeah, give it up. We, we've been married 23 and a half years. Yes, I know. I'm the one that knows. Uh, we've, been, we've been together 29 years, and she just, she just shakes her head and like, God, cover him, because I don't know what I'm about to say. Uh, but with that being said, I'm privileged to be up in front of you and share about Genesis. And again, it's the start of everything. So I do want to give a brief uh, recap. And uh, if we can go to that slide, that as far as the introduction of why should we study Genesis? Why is that important? Well, there's four reasons that I want to share with you. The first is to understand the world's origin and God's biblical worldview. So God's purposes and goodness are made evident from the very beginning. When we start in, in, in Scripture, I mean, he starts off with the bang, you know, uh, in the beginning, God, and then he begins to go to work. God put in work to create this world, to create uh, what we're experiencing now. But it's, but it's also in Genesis is the foundation. That's where we start. You think about the Bible as the, it's the story of God. And in any story, where do you start? You start at the beginning, right? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a weird guy, so I typically start at the end to find out what happens, and then I go back. I know some of y'all do that, but that's okay. Um, but again, it is, the, it is the grand story of God. Number two, uh, to develop a higher view of God's power, authority, and character. It is evident from the very beginning. Uh, if we take time to imagine the level of power and authority it took to establish things, that, that blows my mind, just with a word he spoke. Number three, gain a deeper faith in God's promises. God makes promises and he keeps them. And so I can tell you right now, that piece of this is, is the biggest struggle for me because I'm looking at the people that I'm around that make promises and always fail. You know, and I have to admit, I'm one that I, I, mean, I mean well, I'll make a promise and I'll fall off. Well, God's not like that. God is not man and he doesn't lie. Number four, understanding the framework for reading the rest of Scripture. So it's really hard to grasp the New Testament uh, and the Gospels if we don't have a foundation to build upon. And so if we look at Jesus as our example, you can see in the New Testament many times he will refer back to um, uh, what we have is a portion of Old Testament scripture. So good precedent. That's why we study Genesis. And so I did want to kind of mention last week we started with the creation story. That's Genesis 1, 1 through Genesis 2, 3. And in there, uh, Scott was able to mas masterfully weave that God introed himself. God intros himself. He doesn't let somebody else do it. Now, he goes through, uh, we understand Moses to be the writer of Genesis, but God states who he is. And so in that, God reveals his character, right, in his introduction. And here are three things that were mentioned. 
God's creativity. From the very beginning, he, he got to work. He was creative. Number two, integrity. God has order. Think about even the, 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 the creation story. Everything was in order. I always think like, like I'm, 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 I'm that strange guy. I'm like, why didn't he make the people first? Probably because we'd be floating in space without anything anchored to it. So, but God knew what he was doing and it was in order. That speaks to integrity. That speaks to order. That speaks to wholeness and completeness. God is productive. So again, when he starts off, it doesn't, God doesn't introduce himself laying on a lounger eating grapes. He introduces himself working, being productive. That might, you know, and I know this is, this is a barb at me, that might also speak to how I look at work and how I look at productivity. Do I look at it as a burden or a joy because I am working for the Lord to accomplish his purposes? I'll just let that sit for a moment. Next, so how does that relate to us? God has revealed his character, but how does that relate to us? So man is made in God's image. Early in, in chapter 1, we, we see that God said, let us make man in our own image. That is the Imago Dei. There's, some, there's, there's something very important about that. But if we're made in God's image, the idea is that we reflect God's image to everyone and everything around us. And so if God is creative, we need to be creative. If God has integrity, we, guess what? We need to have integrity. If God was productive, guess what? We need to be productive. And so we take all of that, and as we, we shift into what I'm supposed to talk about, I'm still in the intro, y'all. Uh, so with that, what I do want to speak to is uh, we have been able to create a city life. We have an excellent group of folks who, on a regular basis, write for City Life Church Starter. We know, like, my task today is to go through chapter 2, 3, and 4 of Genesis in 28 minutes. Yes, I'm going to hit the main points, <laughs> but there is a deeper level, there's a deeper dive that we want y'all to engage in, and Starter can be an aid to help you and assist you. I think I'm saying it right because I'm getting a nod from the Cindy. All right. All right, so let's look at, I want to give us kind of a roadmap for uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 25, all the way through chapter 4. So chapter 2 uh, talks about the creation of man. We talked about the creation story, but it really dives into detail about the creation of mankind. Chapter 3 is the fall of man. That's when man decided, I'm going to do it my way, and uh, it's been falling downhill ever since. Uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 24, is the story of Cain and Abel, and it's a continuation of that fall. And, but this is the thing I love about God. He always gives us hope. He always had a plan. At the very end of chapter 4, in verse 25 and 26, it is the seed to restore mankind. There's hope there. There's a way. He's bringing us back to him. <clears throat> So let me dive a little bit deeper as we go to uh, uh, give you a little bit more detail about chapter 2. So Adam and Eve are created and placed in the garden. So God creates them after he's created a place for them, for them to go. God gives instructions or he gives commands. They're not really instructions, they're commands. And he's telling them, I want you can partake of, of these trees that I've, that I've put in there for fruit, for, for your use, and um, 
in uh, the, the, uh, the tree of life. Partake of those things. But he also gives some parameters and commands. Do, do, we also have the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not partake of that. He gives them commands. God then gives purpose and authority to Adam to cultivate the garden and name every creature. Uh, Adam had a lot of work to do. He had a lot of work to do. Um, and then Adam and Eve are married by the Lord. Chapter 3. The fall of mankind. So we, have, we see the serpent, Lucifer, uh, he deceives Eve. I'm still, you know, total commentary. I still wonder, like, where exactly was Adam? Like, he was right there, like, mm-hmm, go ahead. It's all right. He, he wasn't covering his wife, but I digress. Let me come back. Uh, Eve and Adam choose to disobey and partake of the forbidden fruit. Sin has entered into mankind. Next, the new hardship of both woman and man's roles are explained. God explains now, it's going to be difficult for you. Uh, other point I find interesting, even after Adam and Eve sinned, God was still caring to them, and he clothed them before he sent them out into the craziness. That's the God we serve, and he loves us, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 24, Eve bears Cain and Abel. Uh, now, over the course of time, Scripture says that they, they, they uh, offered sacrifices to God. So they obviously were taught. Um, now, the interesting thing is Abel's, it says that Abel's offering uh, was regarded by God. Abel had given uh, basically uh, livestock, the, the, the first fruits of that. Uh, it, it gave the best parts of it. And the Scripture says that. But then it also says Cain's sacrifice wasn't regarded by God. And he, he gave the fruit of the ground. And so what we'll find out later really is, what we find out is that it was, a, it was really a heart issue. The scripture does not mention about what level um, uh, Cain's offering was. It said gave uh, of the fruit of the ground. It didn't say he gave the best. So that's a, that's a heart issue. Uh, then we get into also the, on that chapter, the children of men multiply. This is the place that gets me excited. So chapter 4, verses 25 through 26 says, the seed to restore, restore mankind. And so Adam and Eve have Seth, who is a replacement for Abel. And so what we want to, I want y'all to know before we dive into this story, there was something special about the, the heart that Abel had. Now, Cain was jealous. He ended up killing him. But God was faithful to replace that same thing that was lost. He replaced Abel and Seth. And it, 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 it mentions he was after, kind of after his own, own kind. And then it says, through the line of Abel, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And so in that line was Noah and we, you know, the flood and all that. But through that, God made a way. Through even though man decided to do our, their own thing, God made a way back to him. I, I love our God. So with that today, in my effort to get through these three, <laughs> two, three, and four, um, as I was studying, there were really four things that jumped off the page to me. And that is this. In chapter 2, it's really about identity comes from God. Identity comes from God. Number two, false identity comes from mankind. 
Number three, false identity leads to death. And number four, God restores identity. All right, y'all with me? All right. So with that, I, I want us to, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of zero in on uh, chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let y'all know, for the interest of time to make sure I'm hitting those points, I am, I'm giving chunks of scripture and going on to the other ones, but you can follow along, you know, uh, at, at another time. But let me read chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, uh, then the Lord God formed the man of, du- of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living person. And so what I want to submit to you today, identity comes from God and it's intentional and it's purposeful. God's identity for you has intentionality and purpose to it. And so... Um, think about God intentionally formed mankind. It says here that he formed the man from the dust. You can't form something from a distance. And also when you form something, you have a picture of what it is in your mind that you're forming. But there's a level of intimacy there to get down and form it. It also says um, uh, into his nostrils... He, he, the breath, he breathed the breath of life. So that's something very special. What we find out, if you look earlier in, in, in the chapter, you look, look earlier, animals have been formed, creatures have been formed. It says nothing about the breath of life. Why? Because there's something special that God placed in man. So the breath of life, think of it like this. Breath of life is divine inspiration, it is intellect. It is everything. It is, it is an, an essence of God in there. Now, please don't hear me. I'm not saying you're God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he thought so much about you, and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. That means he paid attention to what he was doing. He had a plan for you, a purpose for you, and it was enough for him to breathe the breath of life in you. That lets you know you're special. You're just not any old thing. We also, it also reinforces, it goes back to earlier in chapter one, it talks about, uh, let us make man in our own image. God thought enough to want to have us join in the fellowship that he had. Think about that. That's, that's an amazing thing. That speaks to identity. That speaks to purpose. Um, this should also give us confidence to know that identity that comes from God there's a purpose already attached to your life. So I have, you know, I'm in conversations with people, and I, I'm, I do a lot of listening, and I try to listen. I don't always get that right, but I try. Uh, and there's always this question about what is my purpose? What is my purpose? I think our pur- we're, we're looking for something down the road that's right there in front of our face. If we're made in the image of God, our purpose is to reflect God. Our, 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 our purpose is to worship God. How do we do that in everything we do? Worship isn't just here on Sunday. On Sunday, Worship is in everything we do when I go to work. How am I representing God to the world? Am I, am I giving him honor and am I giving him glory in my interactions with people? Am I caring for those people? There's a classic example that I have all the time. I'm always convicted. 
I always have an opportunity to worship God when I step on the elevator at work. I step on the elevator, and I'm like, I'm already tired, so I'm like, hey, how you doing? And the per- you know how you, you, you see somebody on the elevator? You say hello, and they just don't say nothing. I'm like, I'm trying to worship God right now. You ain't helping me, re- re- really. <laughs> and then my motive turns bad because I'm like, I'm going to make you say hi to me. <laughs> that is, that, that's, not, that's not what we talk about. <laughs> but there's an opportunity to worship God in everything we do. Everything. How does it bring honor and glory to him? So uh, God knows you because he formed you. I think that's, that's another piece, again, with the confidence and the purpose. Uh, next, identity comes from God in the form of, and I'll read uh, chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you should not eat. For on that day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. Identity comes from God, and it has purpose to cultivate. In the, in, we see that in the garden, to tend to it. Again, I spoke there's an intentionality there. You don't, see, you don't see God setting up Adam to just lounge. There's purpose and productivity, and they go together. Purpose and productivity go together. Next, identity coming from God. It has boundaries. If I identify with God, it's just, I just can't do any old thing. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it'd be like me saying, hey, you know, I, you know I'm... I am, uh, I'm trusting in the Lord, I'm following him, but every time you see me, I got a bottle, on some of y'all, I got a bottle of O.E. on me, and I'm toe up. I'm toe up, and I'm, I'm trying to tell you about something. I'm sorry, I'm, O.E. may be a little bit older f- for y'all. Some of y'all might not know about that. You know, I don't know what them young drinks are, but that, that was the drink when I was growing up. <laughs> uh, but, but the point being is, is that I cannot say and do anything when, I have a, when my identity says something else. I'm sure as, as I see all these fathers in here, you have children you, that you care for. You cannot be a father and not engage your children. It got real quiet in here. There's something that you associated with it that you have to do. Those boundaries that are there. Identity comes from God again, and as I go to chapter 2, uh, 18 through 20, I'm skipping a lot, but, I, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot here. Uh, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. With identity coming from God, uh, there has to be complementary relationships to accomplish God's given purpose. What that means is you cannot do it alone. Identity with God 
requires you to engage other people. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it alone. That is not an option. That is not a choice. That is not God's identity. Even within within himself, he was in community. So what does that mean for us? (laughs) We got to do the same thing. Now, I won't put myself on blast. I love people and I don't. (laughs) I engage people all the time because that's my job. I enjoy them. But I'm quite all right being at home in a book, watching a book or watching Netflix or binge watching something. I have more joy. I go to the movies by myself with that big old three-person thing of popcorn. I'm putting myself out there. <laughs> but that, the point is, is that we have to be in relationship. And it has to be, we're talking about two, before reason to accomplish God's purposes, So there's some complementary relationships that we need to engage in. In particular, this was talking about sort of a, you know, sort of a marriage union, but the idea is still the same that those relationships are crafted by God. They should be crafted by God, all right? Next, um, identity coming from God has authority given by God. There's an authority that you have. Now, my, the example that I always love is I was in the DMV. I, how many of y'all love going to the DMV? Spend all your day there. They are the most efficient. No. Um, I went one time, and we get there, and it's just a mass, a, a mass of humanity there. And I'm just like, I got to go to work. I don't have time. All of a sudden, it, we hear this commotion, and like people start parting like the Red Sea. And there's this little lady probably, she's probably about four four foot nothing. And she's, she's calm, but she literally, she opens up all these windows. Now, mind you, I don't understand why at the DMV they only have two windows open, but she opened up like a whole side. Had people stand in line, hey, you all go here. Went, went to this side, opened up that whole side. The point I'm making is that this woman clearly had authority that was given to her. her I, I'm not sure if she was a shift manager or something. She was calm. She was kind, but she had authority to be able to communicate it to help people. That example to me is when we understand God's identity and we understand our authority, we know how to use it and we do use it. You don't, uh, you don't back off of tough situations. You don't choose not to do what is right. But you, because you know God's authority is behind you. And you don't, you don't hold that over people. You love people with it. Now, now that I've gone through chapter two, we're going to go into chapter three. So we talked about identity comes from God. Now we want to say false identity is from mankind. When mankind gets involved with stuff and we decide, we, 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 we don't really go the right way. So uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God really said you should not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of Of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it. Now catch this. She also adds to it or touch it. 
God, he didn't say that in the earlier scripture. Or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. So false identity, there are three things I want you to think about in false identity, which comes from mankind. There's, there's questioning what God has said. When we have false identity, we're not, it, it speaks to us not trusting God or him not being trustworthy and him not being truthful. False identity from mankind questions God's trustworthiness and his truthfulness. You, you notice the first thing the devil did was to say, I mean, I, I can imagine him saying, you know, uh, did God really say that? Like, did he really say that? Like, she heard him. She, I mean, or, I'm sorry, that's what Adam communicated. But to be able to say, no, I, I, I'm questioning what the one that has created all this for me has told me to do. That, that's, that's cunning. I think that's why it says he's cunning. Next, um, false identity from mankind changes the truth by adding or taking away from the truth. You notice I, I mentioned what, um, what Eve said. She added that whole piece of touch it. Now, that might seem like a small thing, but that's where the slippery slope starts. When God has communicated something to you, and I know as we're praying, as he's telling you to do things, as you understand his word, don't add to it. He doesn't need you to add to it. He doesn't need you to take away from it. He needs you to trust what he said and follow what he said. Next, false identity from mankind challenges the things of God as a lie. Now, in all honesty, I think that's an yeah, that's a easy drift. And it's easy to drift away from the thing God says if we don't know what he said. So that speaks to us spending time with God and knowing God. You can't know God from a distance. His word is a great example of, it, 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 it is our example. It is our lifeblood of what he has said. And so, Somebody comes with a, something that's slightly off of what he said, but if you don't know what it says, then you can be led astray. We have to know God. We have to know him by experience, and we have to know what his word says. False identity from mankind, chapter 3, 6, and 7. Chapter 3, 6, and 7, Yes. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she, she took some of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. I was mentioning that before. I don't know what he was doing. And ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. False identity from mankind seeks wisdom apart from God. False identity seeks wisdom apart from God. As we all know, there are so many things out in our world today, right, that have an element of truth in it. And if we're not, if we don't know God or know what he says, we're easily led astray there. What are some things that people seek wisdom in apart from God? 
Um, I can tell you when, uh, when the war in Ukraine broke out, my wife and I actually were in Kenya. And uh, the news cycle is relentless. I mean, it was constantly, it was CNN, Al Jazeera, uh, BBC. And it was just a never-ending cycle of these, these breaking news reports that were supposed to give us information, but people took it as knowledge or wisdom that they could then order their life by. And to not even realize that it was only taking a snippet of the reality of what it was. But well-intentioned Christian folk were panicking about what was going on because they don't know, know, oh, this is it. (laughs) They about to drop a bomb, but we done. Nuclear war about to start. The word is very clear. No man knows the day nor the hour, right? But if we don't know that, we're going to seek wisdom that's apart from God. I think that's really important for us to believe is to not be fearful. But be, if our identity is in the right place, we'll know where to go get the information. False, again, false identity from mankind. It also carries shame and insecurity. False identity from mankind carries shame and insecurity. Scripture says here, they both were, their eyes were open after they ate their fruit, and they knew that they were naked, and they sowed fig leaves. They sowed the fig leaves because they were fearful, because they, had, they knew they had disobeyed God, and their eyes were open, and they were insecure about it. How many of you, and, I, and I'm going to put myself out here, in regards to false identity and sometimes believing the lie and not believing what God said about me, sometimes I have some insecurities that, that creep up. I can tell you um, a couple years ago, um, you know, one of the, I mean, all the way up to about seven, eight years ago, I would always question how I received information. Because I'm like, man, that's weird. I'm like, God speaks to me in pictures, right? Like, you know, this is a pink elephant and a, and a, and a, and a motorcycle. Like, Lord, what does that even mean? But over time, what I've learned is if I, if I trust God, he will reveal to me what's necessary. And many times that's to share with other people, not to lord over them, but to encourage them. And I'm like, I don't know what y'all got out of it. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. The point I'm making is, is that for a long time, I thought that, God, there's something wrong with that because it doesn't look like the people that I respect and I grew up and they encourage me, they've never communicated they ever hear from you like that. So something's wrong with me. My encouragement to you, all of you, somebody, somebody hopefully will get encouragement with this. There's a way that you see the world that God has given you specifically. You, you have a sensitivity towards people that others don't. You see people that may be marginalized or people that may be uh, looked over or looked past. God's, uh, the identity he's given you, he, he gives you your identity, and you're supposed to operate in that. Now, you have to submit that to the will of God. You have to submit that to his purposes, but he gives you those opportunities. Again, false identity um, uh, comes from mankind. Chapter 3, 9 through 13 says, Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? 
He said, I, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid it, as I mentioned before. And he said, we told you, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to? The man said, the, the woman who you gave me. <laughs> he totally blamed her, didn't he? He was right there. She gave me some of the fruit, <laughs> and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Like, they all, they all passing the blame. Well, false identity for mankind seeks to hide because of fear, and it also doesn't take responsibility and shifts blame. That's a big one. I think, you know, again, I look at myself. I think about the, the circles that I navigate in, the people that I talk to, and when something is good, I'm re- I got my hand all up. Yes, we did that together. We did it. When it's an epic failure, I'm like, y'all better handle that. I think we have to be honest with that. And it may start off innocent, but there's something, the seed of something is in that. It is that false identity. I want to be liked by people. I don't want to take the blame. I don't want to be the cause of something not going right. Identity given by God takes responsibility. Not to placate, not to, not to just end the argument, but I'm sorry, I'm going to fix that, and I take responsibility to do so. And, and, and again, I have to laugh at Adam. Poor Adam. It's not poor Adam. Adam did not take responsibility for his wife. I, I find that odd. I find that, I find that interesting. I find that interesting is when we get to the tough moment and there's like that moment of truth, my encouragement to everybody here is to step into it. You don't have to have all the answers, but you have to be present and you have to engage people and you have to go on their behalf. All right. False identity leads to death. Uh, chapter 4, 1 through 5, it says, Now the man had relations with his, his wife Eve. He conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she, and she said, I have obtained a male child with the help of the Lord. And again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a cultivator of the ground. So it came about in a course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought an offering from the firstborn of his flocks and from the fat portion. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. False identity leads to death, and it also leads to death of the worship we have for God. The, the reason that Cain's offering was not, was not regarded by God was about a heart condition. I think I mentioned before that it, Scripture is very clear that Abel gave his best. He gave the first fruits. He, his heart was inclined in the right way to God. Cain did not do that. He just, it, it, it doesn't make mention of any of that. But that's a, that's a worship issue. That's a heart issue. Next, um, also false identity leads to death. Our motives, our motives have to be right why we do things, the reasons why. Is it for selfish gain or is it to, to honor God? Lastly, I want to mention uh, God restores identity. This is the part I love. And Adam had a relation with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. 
For she said, God has appointed me another child in place of Abel because Cain killed Abel. The point here is that Seth, God restored this righteous person, this kind of righteous seed to Adam and Eve in the line of Seth. It's very clear, it says here in verse 26, Seth also a son was born and named him Enosh. Then people began to call upon the name of the Lord. We have creation. God got it set right. We then have um, uh, the creation of man, how that progresses. We have the fall of man when they decide to turn against God. We have the progression of that. And then God in his great rescue plan still decides to provide a seed that's going to get people back to him. That's the thing I love about our God. So identity here, if you take anything away from this, it's important that you examine what is your priority and what is important to you. Identity is not something you can take on and put down. Identity is who you are. I I really want to quote the Lion King right now, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Remember who you are. Identity is given by God. Anything else is false, and we need, and we need to submit that to God to turn away from it. Amen? Amen. Amen.